cell phone. I'm sure all of you have one. You can kindly turn it off now, as I'm going to do. That way we won't be interrupted. All right? Let's get started. You know, nature, nature will unapologetically weed your genes out of existence if you don't take action and do whatever it takes to build the skill set to attract a beautiful woman, quite simply. If you don't do it, you are effectively sterile. Now, all of you here are here for a reason, and you're all here for similar reasons, but there are you know, most likely a great deal of, uh, of uh, differences. Some people are here because they want to have more beautiful women in their life. Some people are here because you know, they want to get rid of the pain that they feel from uh, a breakup. And that motivates us forward to start a new relationship. I'm going to uh, be teaching you guys today a structure, a step-by-step -step game plan that goes not just from meeting the girl all the way to getting her phone number. That's only you know, one-third of it. I'm going to take you the rest of the way. It goes from meeting all the way to beginning a sexual relationship. That's what we're going to be doing. All right. In other words, what happens on a day two? How do you get a woman from one physical location, like the attraction location or the meeting location, and then how do you move from there to the comfort building location? How do you move from the comfort building location finally to the seduction location? There are a series of tactics, tools, or gambits that we can use to get from uh, location to location. Most people, when they get into this game, they think that it's all about approaching one woman. There's the girl. I'm going to now approach her, and I'm going to make my moves on her, and hopefully she'll like me. This is not how this game is run. Okay? By the end of these three days, um, you're going to go through a lot of, uh, of stress. It'll be good stress. It'll be like jumping out of an airplane, pretty much. All right? um, and you're going to do it so many times that while you'll never grow truly accustomed to it, you will learn to deal with the emotions that take place. You know, they, they tell you it doesn't matter what you say, but that doesn't mean you can say anything. It means you can choose any of the routines you have already hardwired into your head. That's what that means. Okay? You're going to have so many openers, four or five openers. You're going to need many of them. Not because you're just going to stack them in a row. An opener is a routine, too, so if you have it in your head, you might as well use it in your set. What happens if you have to forward merge? You need to be ready for it. What happens when an interrupt comes in? It's almost like a forward merge, right? You need to handle the interrupt, and you need a new opener for that person. So you will need to get, like I have maybe five <laughs> openers in my head that I, that I use regularly, right? And they are all non sequitur. One of them is uh, how tall are you? Another one is my black nails, first impression black nails. There's nothing to do with each other. Another one is, have you ever seen the movie Poltergeist? Do you think it's based on reality or all fiction? I don't mean Carolyn stuck in the TV. That's it. That's my opener. It's a small little piece. And then I stack forward. Hey, let's try an experiment for shits and giggles. Think of a number in your mind from one to four, the first number that pops in your head. Got it? Don't say it. Just think, picture it. Three. Most people pick three when you say, you know, pick a number from one to four. It's psychology. And it's a great bit. Then I can look at them and say, I want you to think of a different number, this time from 1 to 10, the first number that pops in your head. You got that? Notice how I do this. From 1 to 10, the first number that pops in your head. I'm popping at about 7. When I say, think of a number from 1 to 4, the first number that pops in your head. You got that? 3. Think of a different number, this time from 1 to 10, the first number that pops in your head. You got that? 7. And then the showmanship of 
you know, looking into her eyes. What I do is I multiple thread that routine. I'll say, think of a number from one to four, the first number that pops in your head. Don't tell me, you got that? Good. What do you got going for you more than your looks? I mean, you're very beautiful, but beauty's common. It's really rare as a great outlook, energy, personality. You got two out of three, it's a good start. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Three. Oh my God, think of a different number, this time from one to ten. First number that pops in your head. You got that? Good. What do you want to be when you grow up? Don't say princess. I mean, you could be anything with no chance of failure. What would you want to be? A nurse. No fucking way. Really. I actually dated a nurse. I love that. I can't even talk to you now. See, I'm going through my qualifying, and then I can, when I'm finished that, seven. See how multiple threading? That's what we got to get good at. It's an art form. See, the truth is, I'm a tribal leader. I'm the leader of my tribe. And my tribe, I'm not sure how big it is anymore. It's gotten quite big. But I am definitely the leader, and I convey to every woman that I am the leader of my tribe. And my friends are also, um, they're, they're also in the leadership circle. That's, that's how each and every one of you has to uh, convey a, a personality, you know? That personality has to be the tribal leader. If you were to put yourself and 49 other people, so 50 people on um, on an island, would you naturally be the leader? If you're not, you're not getting laid. It just won't happen. Because a woman's brain is hardwired to seek out and mate with the one or few people in her small tribe of 50 people that um, is going to increase her chance of survival and replication and that will be the tribal leader or one of the tribal leader's friends. That's it. Her brain is hardwired for that. You all have to be a tribal leader. You gotta demonstrate that you are a tribal leader. And you usually have three seconds that'll buy you the next 15, that'll buy you the next minute and a half, that'll buy you the next three minutes, that'll buy you the next 15, okay? So the first three seconds, very, very important. A lot of guys have fidgety movements when they open. And the problem with them is that you're not aware that you're doing them because they're expressions of nervous energy. And one thing that I used to do is I would go into set and I'd be holding a drink because I used to drink. And I'd be ramming my straw into my drink when I go into set. And the problem with it was that I wasn't consciously aware that I was doing it. So I'd go into the set, hey guys, I need a female opinion, whatever. <laughs> you're out. Okay? Everyone has these nervous tics. If you feel approach anxiety especially, another common one is playing with your hands. I know a lot of guys will do this thing. Um, moving around a lot on your feet. What I'm going to say is when you're in set, especially near the beginning of the set, don't move. If you're going to do body rocking, and it's a calculated thing and you're doing body rocking, cool. Otherwise, don't move around. You'll have this urge to kind of do this thing while you're in the set. You, you know, the whole point of body rocking is to make them feel like you're actually on your way out. To make them constantly feel like you're leaving and you're not really, you're not really going to stay. Um, but sort of just fidgeting and moving around in set doesn't do that. It just makes you look nervous and lowers your social value. Um, so don't do it. Go into your set. Do not face the set when you open it with your body. First, social proof. Now what we mean by this, quite simply, is I want her to know that my last girlfriend was an exotic dancer. I want her to know that my last girlfriend was drop fucking gorgeous. I want her to know that, I've, uh, that, that uh, I'm publicly known for, um, for having dated some of the most beautiful women in the world, and I do not apologize for that. That's what I want her to know. I've got to say that. 
I have to throw that into stories. I don't want to just say, hmm? yeah, and I like throwing in, and I don't apologize for that, because that's just who I am. You don't like it? Fuck yourself. And, uh, and I'll throw that in, too, you know, because that's a, that, that's a disqualifier. You know, if you don't like that, fuck yourself. Okay. Fake it till you make it. Fake it, fake it till you make it if necessary. Okay. If you haven't had an exotic dancer girlfriend, but you want one, better damn well tell her that you've been with one before. Because then you become totally pre-selected and socially proofed. Yeah, my last girlfriend was an exotic dancer. You know? I mean, if this guy, if we haven't met him before and he says he's a virgin, we're going to believe him and we're going to lower his value. But if he says that his last three girlfriends were exotic dancers and that he's a DJ at a, at a strip club, we're going to believe him. And his value will somehow be like, well, this guy's getting laid. You know? If, uh, what if uh, I told you that this guy here is part owner of a nightclub? His value goes up, doesn't it? Just by words. Part owner of nightclub. Five words. Raised his value. This is what we want to do. We want to embed things into our stories. So the first thing is social proof. And I will, use, I will trigger this social proof thing, or what we call the pre-selection switch, many fucking times. I'll do it in a story by saying, you know, this one time, um, my, uh, this is my ex-girlfriend now, but she was an exotic dancer, and I was doing uh, stage shows. So I had a gig down in Miami, and, uh, and she wanted to work in Miami because, you know, there's a lot of good money to be made in Miami for an exotic dancer. So we decided we're going to drive down and, 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 you know, go for two weeks, right? So she had just uh, paid off her Camaro, 23 grand, just paid off the whole thing uh, in cash. And uh, we decided to head down in her car. Well... You know, both her and I, we're notorious for having a high sex drive. You know, I'm not going to apologize for this. We're on our way down, and you know we're going to have sex at least once, twice a day, right? Well, it takes 30 hours to get from Toronto to, to, to Florida, so you know somewhere between there, something's going to go down, right? Well, where does it happen? I'm in the passenger seat. She's driving, okay? It's about 1.30 in the morning, and uh, we're in the middle of buttsfuck nowhere. We're in, like, Georgia or some shit, right? And she's like, baby, mm. and I'm like, babe. Just keep driving. <laughs> you know, we're about an hour away from the hotel, right? And we were just so slow at, at taking this trip, right? She goes, babe, I want to give you a blowjob. I'm like, babe, let's just keep driving, okay? Uh, maybe if I were driving, it would make sense, <laughs> but you're driving. And she goes, no, no, I'm, I'm, that's it. I want you. So I go, babe, we're, we're on a highway in the middle of nowhere. And she goes, I don't care. She just takes the next fucking exit, uh, and, and it, it was like exit 151, you know, like middle of nowhere. And we start driving down uh, this, this, it was literally a dirt road, no lights, nothing. And on both sides of this road, it went down, okay, into two cornfields, very thin little road, okay, like a little farmer's road. And we're driving down forever, and we see no lights, nothing. And we're about maybe a mile and a half now from the, from the uh, what is it, I-95? I-95? And... Um, at one point, she says, uh, babe, I, I can't do this now. I'm like, what, what do you mean? You know, this reminds me of Jeepers Creepers. <laughs> I've never seen the movie, so uh, I'll just take your word that it, it was funny. So, so uh, uh, she says, I'm turning around. I'm like, babe, just keep going. We'll find a place to turn around. It's a very small road, right, with ditches on both ends. She goes, no, I'm turning around. I'm like, babe, this is a fucking Camaro. You can't, you know, if you, anyone who knows a Camaro, they have a very, like, horrible turning radius, right? Really bad. Next thing you know, she's going, you know, like Austin Powers. Er, ee, er, ee. We're in the middle of this fucking little road, right? 
and she goes too far back. All of a sudden, boom, and there we are. The fucking lights are up in the air, okay, and we've just crashed back into the ditch, and, uh, and her muffler gets bent, and there's shit, you know, literally shit. It was like cow manure um, stuck up into it, and, uh, and the engine goes out, and we're there, and she goes, oh, my God, 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 oh, my baby. Just relax, okay? We got food. We got water. It was hot out, okay? It wasn't like we were going to freeze to death or something. We'll solve this, okay? Just relax. So what ended up happening was um, I, uh, well, I didn't get my blowjob. That's, <laughs> that's for one thing. No, um, what ended up happening was a, um, an ambulance drove by. It was a fucking ambulance, but an hour into this, okay? I, I said to her, look, let's just crash here. And in the morning, we'll walk back, because she was f- afraid to, to walk at night. And uh, what, what, the coyote's going to get us what, from a fucking, like, E.T. coming out of, you know, of corn? So uh, we, uh, we end up, you know, getting, getting these guys. It was just a group of guys in a, a, an ambulance, they were driving, coming home from a party or some shit. I have no clue what was going on. It made no sense to me. They came out and they helped boost the whole car out, and we got, you know, to our hotel, you know. In which case, at that point, I got my blowjob. But really, that was that was the blowjob I was supposed to get at that hotel. So, you know, I'm missing a blowjob. So you better watch out. I'm pretty randy right now. And there's my story. Now, the idea of of throwing in. Now, again, I won't throw in a blowjob story unless I feel I can get away with it. Okay. Obviously, I'm going to calibrate. If I think that it's going to be offensive, I'm not going to use it. All right? I'm socially savvy that way. However, you'll note that when I talk about the blowjob, I'm not trying to get this woman aroused. I'm not, hey baby, I'm not trying to make her all hot and horny. I'm just conveying that I'm a sexual being and I don't apologize for it and that I have this hot, uh, you know, this hot exotic dancer, Camaro, uh, you know, who owns a Camaro. We're going down to, uh, uh, you know, to Florida. Uh, she wants to give me a blowjob. And I'm like, relax, baby, we'll get it, we'll get it, no worries, as if I'm in no hurry. You see the kind of character that I've just conveyed within this story? Also that I'm the man in charge. Look, things are going to be okay. Relax. I'll take care of things. And that we got out of it and everything was fine. Nice little story to tell. Now, does that mean you are going to tell this specific story? No. Because you didn't have an ex-girlfriend who was an exotic dancer in a Camaro. This is a real story of mine. But if you want to fake it, use it for now, you know, until you can swap it out for something else, then by all means use it, okay? Just please, in six weeks from now, swap it out. Have something else going for you. Okay, so that's uh, an example of a, com- uh, of a comfort-building story or of an attraction-based A2 story, okay? Demonstration of higher value. Now, the neat thing about that story also is I don't necessarily have to say that to my target. I could say it to the guys, Take the hat off. Lock her in. Talk to the guys. It's boy talk, you know, guy talk. Should you know? Right after um, no, it'll be a few minutes in. A few minutes in. Three, four, even five minutes in. You can use it in C1 as well. It's comfort building, you know? Because remember, sometimes when you are building comfort, you're sitting down with the, the whole group. You're not in isolation with her, you know, by herself. You've moved the whole group. Or what if it's a two set? It's a great story to tell, you know? And I'm not hitting on her during this story. All I'm doing is shooting the shit. But throughout this, this story, I'm embedding into it key characteristics. There are six characteristics of an alpha male. I conveyed social proof that I, I come pre-selected. I conveyed that within that story. For the tribal leader, she will find us attractive. How long does it take? Three minutes.
from meeting a girl to making her realize you're the fucking tribal leader, you are not to be fucked with, and you will have every single guy in that group knowing that you are like Joe Pesci, you're having fun, but don't, be, don't fuck with him. It may be just a posturing. It may be just an illusion. But one of the real truths about illusion is the fear of illusion is real. Isn't that a neat concept? So you can create this illusion. I'm an illusionist. And you can create the role that every woman finds attractive. They're hardwired to find attractive. You're the tribal leader starting tonight. All right? Or at least tribal leader's friends. If you took 50 people, put them on an island, every possible contingency and social interaction that could take place, there can be no more interactions other than with those 50 people. The type of coalitions that take place, the sometimes one guy wants to leave, um, form their, his own faction. Um, uh, one guy's going to become the leader. Our brains are evolutionarily designed to live in a 50-person society. And that's why the woman is going to automatically find the male, who is the leader of men, attractive because she'll improve her chances of survival and replication if she aligns with the, um, the tribal leader. And, and there's compelling evidence to support he can deliver those goods if he's got lots of women around him. Make sense? You need to be the tribal leader. You need to demonstrate it. You need to say it in field. If it means you saying, I'm actually the tribal leader of my group. She will respond to it. It is a very attractive thing. You know, if you go to another city, like I'm in San Diego, if, if I were to say to a girl, oh, yeah, I'm planning on moving here, that is not nearly as attractive to her as if I said to her, oh, I'm heading back to Vegas uh, in three days. It's counterintuitive because you think by saying, hey, I'm going to stick around, you think, well, that makes me a viable boyfriend material, right? Nope, because as long as you're from an outside source, and you're leaving soon, you've got that time constraint, it increases your chances of, of, um, of mating, and then that will increase the chance of you being able to come back and continue this into a relationship, because then she's going to miss you. My girlfriends are not really bitches, they're just bitches to you. And they're only bitches for the first few minutes. So we have a definitive way of solving it, by not coming in and trying to build rapport. We're trying to break rapport, and that's what neg theory is all about. I've even opened successfully by doing this. <laughs> but only on tens. So you go in, you're going to neg the target. A neg is a way of disqualifying yourself from appearing like you are a potential suitor. It's a false disqualifier because if I were to say, too bad I'm gay or you'd be so my type. If I were to say that to the girl loud enough for any of the males, or, the, or what we call the obstacles in this game, um, if they hear that, they're going to be disarmed. I can disarm them merely by throwing a neg at the target. Not only do I briefly lower her self-esteem and she wishes to redeem herself and now the challenge is, is uh, structured that she will want to win me over, but more importantly, in a larger set, like a three set, I can throw it loud enough so that the others can hear that I have you know, just said some, something that is quite compelling. It's compelling evidence to support that I'm not after her. If I say to this girl, all right, hands off, hands off, this shit ain't for free, you know. 
This is going to cost you five bucks every time you touch. You will see and feel that they will actually want to touch you again. And again, and again, and again. What, are we starting a tab here? Oh my God, you must be rich. And that kind of negging is very playfully done. It's a, it's a playful statement or set of statements that not only create the challenge for her, but again, the obstacles are disarmed. They know I'm not after her. Okay, hands off. Oh my God, where's her off button? Jesus Christ. You know, you can dress her up. Can't take her anywhere. Holy shit. How do you roll with her? And continue. Of course, you can't just say it and wait for response because they'll respond by saying, you're an asshole. So instead, you say, where's your off button? Hey, were you outside not five minutes ago? Did you see the fight? Oh my God, get this. Stop interrupting. Jesus Christ, you keep interrupting your friend. How do you roll with her? So I was outside and you don't allow her to respond to the neg. The only attention the target will get at first is a neg. It's like popping her on her forehead. Just, huh? Otherwise, she'd be bored and she'll turn off and walk, you know, talk amongst her other friends. But by throwing the neg. That's right. It's, it's done playfully. And negging is an art form. Um, you'll hear disqualification theory and neg theory. Neg theory is how it began. Uh, it was a negative compliment. Those are really nice nails. Are they real? No? Oh. Well, they're still nice. Perfect little neg. Again, if you don't understand what's going on here, that's, that's, the, the, that's the neg, the story. Hey, those are very nice nails. Are they real? No? Oh, well, they're still nice. I say it at the exact same time every time. It works. That was the first neg I ever knew, used, a negative compliment. But it's since expanded to include uh, things like, uh, too bad I'm gay or you'd be so my type. It's not a negative compliment, right? But it still delivers what it has to deliver. It disqualifies you. So negging really is, is a form of false disqualification. So we've expanded neg theory into false disqualification theory, which can include, um, you know what, you I'm, I'm too toxic for you. You know, you wouldn't want to hang out with me, seriously, because you know how bad, how bad it would get? Do you, you ever go to university? Did you go to university? Let's say you were in university, and you were third year university, and you got last year to go. I'd be the person to go, why bother? You know, I'd be so fucking toxic for you. It, it's, not, it's not a good thing. That is a disqualification. Now, we call it false disqualification theory. A neg is any false disqualifier. We, just keep, we keep calling them negs because it, it's a name that's ubiquitous throughout the community. But the idea of a neg is to falsely disqualify yourself by saying, too bad I'm gay or you'd be so my type. Why is it a false disqualifier? Because later on, you're going you're gonna to have an antidote to get rid of the disqualification. Like if you were to say, I'm... Uh, I'm uh, uh, you know, don't, don't get any ideas, I'm married with two children, you're really locking yourself out. That's a, that's a disqualifier. A false disqualifier is when you, when you say, you know, too, too bad you're not my type because you're really pretty. Dude, say that to a chick, it's a false disqualifier. She's going to try to win, her, win you over with that, right? Or the gay one, too bad I'm gay, you'd be so my type. Five minutes later, I'll say, actually, my brother's the gay one of the family. These are black nails, not pink. Every emotion is existing to assist you, to motivate you, to emote you, to do things to improve your chances of survival and replication. That's it. Everything you do is derived either directly or indirectly uh, as a result of these emotions that assist you in this. Well, a girl has this too. Now, this is where it gets fun. You can improve your chances of survival and replication if you can align with other human beings 
who have survival and replication value. Some guys, like aligning with the tribal leader, for instance, will improve your chances of getting laid. Why? Because he has legitimate value to these women, and anyone who's in his safe, safety circle is uh, you know, just as good. Confidence. Now, confidence doesn't have to be embedded into the story through verb verbalizing it, just telling the story and being congruent with it, you know, being up to speed, you've practiced it a few, a couple dozen times, is, uh, is enough. You look confident. I'm telling the story. And if she says, oh, my God, I'm like, get a life. And I continue the story. You know, if they go, oh, my God, a blowjob, oh. I'm like, what, you've never given a blowjob, please. Too bad you're not my type. And continue. You see? That makes them come chase you. Does that make sense? Did you see it in the field? Does, is this grounded in your mind? I hope. Not yet for you. You're just like, I don't fully get it yet. It's okay. We've got two more nights. You'll get it. You have to get it. I, I have this uh, leave no man behind attitude here. So <laughs> none of you, none of you are going to like go home and say, you know, I'm going to die a virgin. You know? I want you guys late in the next six weeks doing this stuff, okay? By hottie if possible. Women want to align with a man to improve her chances of survival and replication. And there are certain men to choose from. She can choose anyone, any guy. Any guy can help her replicate. It's easy. But not every guy can help raise the kid. Not every guy can help protect her. Um, when you're beautiful, a lot of guys actually vie for you. You get hit on 5, 10, 15 times a day. And she needs a man to help protect her. When she doesn't have a man, she'll take two or three of her friends out to protect her, her female friends. But ultimately, she wants a boyfriend that's going to take care of her. It's less threatening. You know, life is pretty threatening for a hot girl. It really is. You know, I have to protect my girls, you know, like my, my current girlfriend, Anya. I've got to protect her. She goes out to a public gathering. She is a very beautiful girl. This girl gets attention, you know, and she's racked, you know, banging. I have a crush on my own girlfriend. What a great fucking feeling. Well, I've got to protect this girl. And that protection is value for her. She's going to align with anyone that can legitimately raise her chances of SNR. That's why we have male friends. Hanging out with my wing style increases my chances of survival and replication. It really does. It, he helps me with survival in the fact that, you know, to the point that he gives me valuable information. He assists me. One time, he even uh, about two years ago, he loaned me $3,000. He got me completely out of a problem that I had dealt with and never went into that situation again. Solved my problems. But that was a real friend. I owe him one for that. Since then, I've helped get him laid. You know? By two sisters. <laughs> so um, we have legitimate value for each other. We have trust. The reason why I want to take the time to bring all this up is to show you that it's not about attraction, which is a mind mind-boggling to me. This game is about SNR. You're a biological machine designed to survive and replicate and you wish to align with other people who will assist you in your survival and replication. That's it. And women have more replication value than survival value. I get my buddies. I got four of my buddies to roll with me to protect me. I got my girl for replication. That's the reason for it. Right? But for a woman, 
She can have any dick, and that's the truth, okay? I'm, I'm shooting from the hip. I'm playing in the field here, man. This is real life stuff. You know, I'm out, you know, four nights a week at least. So guys will come in and they'll be like, hey guys, blah, 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 blah. Okay, what's happening is when you're facing someone with your body, that means you're seeking rapport with them. The person who's seeking rapport is always the one with lower value. Seeking rapport is a low value behavior. And so you don't want to be the one who's seeking rapport. And it's the same with uh, alpha males when other guys are around. If he's the one, he's sitting here talking, and you're facing him, looking at him, and he's not looking at you, then he has more social value than you do. So you want to arrange yourself to where you're not really facing him at first. And when you open the set, I'll open the set from the side like this. One thing that I'll do that I said last night is I'll sometimes I'll do a double take because you don't want to look like you're hovering. You don't want to look like you're going over there and, okay, here I go. And you look. And, okay, and then you go in, you're already out. You've staled out the set. Even if they don't consciously notice you, you're just going to come in and they're just going to perceive you as this chicken low-value low guy. So it's much better to come into your set as if it's completely spontaneous. And that's why I'll do this double take where, say, the set's right here. I'll be walking by and I'll kind of look. Oh, hey, guys, I need a female opinion or whatever my opener is. Okay? And the reason I'm doing that double take is almost as if what I'm communicating to them is, um, oh, I'll just ask them. Like, I just noticed them. And it just happened to happen spontaneously. Okay? So don't face the set when you open it, but then within about 30 seconds, you do want to be facing the set. I've seen guys who will sit there and run the set like this, not good. This is only for opening. You open the set, and then within a few seconds, then you're facing the set as you run the set. Okay? If you want to do some body rocking, cool, but don't fidget around. It's better not to move. The person who moves the least has the most power in the set. Keep your feet apart, about like this. Not try hard but not close together like you're making excuses for your own waste of space. Okay, you want them to be about like this. Definitely do not lean in at all. Lean back if you can. When I open the set, I might be like, hey guys, I'm not leaning into the set. Okay, now in a loud club, you'll feel this urge to go like this whenever you say something. Does that really change the acoustics in any way? That distance? No. Why do you do it? Because you get this urge to do it, just like fidgeting. Doesn't mean you should obey that urge. Okay? When you get that urge to lean in, just ignore it. Just keep talking. And it's better to talk loud anyway. Okay? <clears throat> um, we call this pecking, by the way, when you go like this, when you peck. If I see you peck in a set, like, trust me, you're out. It's over. You pecked, it's over. Set's over. It's that simple. As a matter of fact, I would say that these subcommunications, these body language um, mannerisms, are more important than the material itself. The material is just almost a vehicle or an excuse to demonstrate these nonverbal subcommunications of a high-value guy, okay? One example, uh, especially for moving sets, is you'll get an urge to follow after them. Don't ever follow after a set. Don't even do this. Boom, you get blown out just from doing that. If they start to edge away and you go like that, boom, over, okay? Um, I, I remember having this speech with a student once when he was in the field. You know, moving set would walk by. He'd go, hey, guys, blah, 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 and they just walk off, and they're gone. So I told him this speech, and next time a moving set came by, he was, they walked by, he opened them, and they kept walking, and he, what he did was he did what I said. He just kept talking as if it didn't even occur to him that they would leave. And as he was talking, he leaned back like this and kept talking. They got about 20 feet away, and they stopped, and then they walked back over to him while he kept talking, okay? Which is one of the most effective ways for opening a moving set. So just keep talking and get louder and louder and louder and just lean back. 
and they came back. Because girls respond to social value. It's almost all they respond to. Um, when you display social value, they'll come back. So, and a, a guy might get an urge to follow after. Oh, she starts to move. So, oh, hey, so blah, blah, blah. Now he's a low-value guy. That's not what she responds to. She's out of there. And it's pretty cold-hearted out there, too, about this kind of stuff. So we have circuits in our head designed to assist us in survival and replication. So you think to yourself, okay, replication is obviously important, at least according to, uh, you know, your emotional circuits, because if I'm not mistaken, um, I bet you think about sex about 200 times a day. You walk down the street and you're like, would I do her? Would I do her? Am I wrong here? It just it takes over our brains. We want to think about our studies. We want to think about something else. Next thing you know, you're, you're, you know, you're in the midst of something academic, something intellectual in your head, and a hot girl goes by and you go, hmm, nice. Where was I? So yeah, it, it's, it's a subsystem. It takes over a brain. Well, you think to yourself, why is it that I have this overwhelming desire to mate with that beautiful woman and at the same time as soon as I say you know as soon as mystery pokes you in the ribs and say okay approach her you go <coughs> isn't that counterproductive if your body is designed to mate why is it so scared to approach and the answer is found in this because it's not just about replication yes you have an overwhelming desire to replicate it will improve your chances of your purpose in life, survival and replication. Your genes will be passed on. If you have a sex drive that's hot enough, uh, high enough, powerful enough, it'll make you get up and get out of the fucking house. Now, of course, 40,000 years ago, we didn't have porn. We didn't have um, uh, the cerebral cortex that was advanced enough for masturbation to work. We didn't have, uh, you know, the intellectual, uh, uh, the imagination circuits weren't there, you know. Now that's kind of slowing it down, getting in the way, watering down our sex drive. So if you want to improve your chances of the approach, just say to yourself, all right, I'm not going to touch myself. I'm not going to masturbate until I'm with a woman. That's the only time I'm going to actually do the deed is when I'm with a woman and porn's out. Educate yourself with porn, but you can't touch yourself. If you really want this game, you want to win, you want to get a girl in your life, trust me, that's going to really improve this side. It's going to increase it. It'll make you go out more. No wonder you have a fear of the approach. Obviously, 40,000 years ago, there was a reason to fear the approach or it wouldn't be hardwired into your brain for legitimate reasons. Nowadays, in today's environment, that um, environmental pressure or social pressure that has evolved that particular circuit to fear the approach, what we call first minute resistance or approach anxiety, there's a circuit that gets triggered, and it's there for a reason. And here's the reason. If you approach the wrong girl in a 50-person society, and you're not a part of the tribal leader's friends, and, you're, and you don't know if she's taken or not, right? You approach the wrong girl. Next thing you know, if that girl is taken by either the tribal leader or one of the tribal leader's friends, the tribal leader's other friends will come along by request, each with a brick in their hand or a rock, and will fucking kill you. And, this, and it will happen. That's what happened. It happened so often. So many human beings have died for stepping up to the wrong girl and you know, the guy who owns her protecting his investment 
and smashing your head in and getting his friends to smash your head in for him and burying you. That has happened. It's happened so often that that's why we have this circuit. Now, there is one way of leaving a little bit of the stress of the approach, and that is to separate the, um, the fear of foreign territories from the fear of the actual social interaction. See, what happens is a lot of guys, they go to a public gathering for the first time, and that's where they're going to start picking up girls. But they're going to have, on top of the fear of the approach, they're going to have the fear of the fact that they've never been here before. You know? They don't even have to be humans in the, in the room. Imagine going to, I don't know, if I pointed out a clearing in a, in a forest, and I said, no one's there, but I want you to go there. When you get there, you would actually feel nervous, even though you know nobody's there. Because you don't know if there's animals there. You don't know anything. We have this natural, hardwired, built-in fear of foreign territories. So imagine if we can go to several foreign territories and make them domestic. We go, we choose four or five different locations that are target-rich locations for us, and we frequent them. And yeah, I know it's not your shtick, it's not your, uh, your vibe. Oh, well, I don't do clubs. Look, I'm not a club guy either. I just want to desensitize myself to it so that when I do approach a woman within that environment, I feel like I'm doing it in my own backyard, I'm doing it in my own living room. It makes sense, doesn't it? It's one way of separating some of the fear, and it really does help. Imagine going to a place you've been to before several times, and you just, hey, I'm just going there again. It's an off night. It's a Tuesday night. I'm heading there, and a few of my friends are going to be there already. It becomes so much easier to go out. If you don't have that now, that's something you should develop. All right? So one of the fears is getting this big smash on your head. That's only 20% of the fear. Here's the other fear. And this is the main fear that we have, and it's not going away. In a 50-person society, how many of those are women? Maybe 25. How many of those women are not taken, are not old or too young, are not sickly, are not you know, unhealthy, ugly? How many of them are not taken, are not with children or pregnant? Really, it's going to round down to maybe three or four girls. Out of all those girls, you're only going to have options with three or four girls in your community. And 40,000 years ago, you lived in a, in a tribal, uh, like in a tribe all your life. Very rarely would you actually leave it, either to start your own or to find another tribe, and that would be very dangerous. Three or four of these girls are going to be viable mates for you. Let's say you approach one of them and you fuck up. What's going to happen? Well, at least over the last 120,000 years or so, we have something called communication. We gossip. That, that circuit has evolved. And if that girl that you just got rejected by goes to her local peer group, and her peer group is going to be similar uh, girls of, of age and, uh, and uh, social value, they're going to be a little clique, the hot girls of the, of, of the um, tribe, she is going to tell the others that you are not pre-selected, and your genes will be unapologetically weeded out of existence. If you walk up to the wrong girl, you'll either be killed or you will never have sex again. Those are two very real reasons for that circuit to exist in your head. That, it, that circuit exists ubiquitously in every single head of ours. We are complex, elegant, sophisticated biological machines, but we are out-of-date machines. We're about 40,000 years old. You're not IBMs. You're Vic-20s. So, 
when it comes to the approach, you're going to have to barrel through it. It does not go away. The best PUAs, the best guys, get approach anxiety. Uh, social proof, confidence. We want, uh, here's a simple one. Smile. 97%. I told you that? 97% said smile. That's one of the six characteristics. A great smile. Go in smiling. Don't keep it there. Uh-huh. In other words, guys, if they go into a set, they start giving some material, they get this feeling sometimes like, oh no, they're not going to be into me, I'm going to lose them, but the material will get them because the material is the magic feather. So if I can throw out the material and that will attract them, if I can just get it out, then they'll, then they'll be back and I'll be able to talk to them. You know? And so what will happen is the guy will try and rush through his routine to get it out so that he won't lose the set. Now what's happened is because he's rushing through his routine, he lowered his value and they leave. So it's better to have a good delivery. The delivery is actually more important than the material. Four, humor. Now that doesn't mean funny. Now the real truth is, funny doesn't get you laid. Funny's ha-ha. Playful gets you laid. Why? Because playful builds comfort. In other words, if I get the girl over on a day two to my house, and within three minutes of her coming in, I grab a pillow and I beat her in the back of the head with it and throw it at her, grab another pillow and go, bring it on! Smack her one more time and say, oh man, you're boring. And run off? That's not funny, is it? But it's a hell of a lot. Uh, it, it, it's very playful, okay? And that's going to build comfort. See, it's one of these things where I've done this, this sort of playful stuff. Um, I did it with Katya. She became my fucking girlfriend. I was making out with her within a half hour after that. I mean, because I would just bash her, throw pillows down, lie on the pillows. And then uh, uh, I've, I've grabbed girls by their ankles, you know? I grab them by their ankles and, pull, and, and trip them down, right? Grab a pillow, hammer them, and then stand up and go, you're so easy, and walk away. You know? Want a drink? Playful. It's part of keno escalation, you know? It gets her comfortable. And it isn't... The, the hitting part, obviously, the playing, it's the taking away the playing. So you know? No That's what? where the keno escalation takes place, yes? No matter what, because they have never done it, just keep moving on, don't expect outcome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just do your thing and then take it away. Take it away. If, you, if I hammer her and hammer her and hammer her, you know, yeah. with, uh, with the pillow, or if I make a move, you know, grab her and put her down, and then I get close to her and I cuddle with her, and then I more and more and more, kind of like what you were doing yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> They, what happens? They run off. Instead, you make your one little keno escalation move, you know, you, you trip her up, you put her down, you hit her with the pillow, and then you, ah, oh, you're so easy. And then you get up and you leave. And you just leave. Where do you go? You go into the kitchen. She's like, where did you just go? You come back with a drink. Oh, what, you wanted one? Well, go to the kitchen, get yourself one, woman. <laughs> and you're being playful about it. That's playful. Not funny. Playful. Where does the cocky part come in? Well, cocky part comes in in three places. Your opener sometimes can be cocky, right? One of my openers, I, oh, to the, the girl who ended up straddling me for a bit where I went, that was my opener. That was good enough. Um, it comes in A2. A lot of cocky in A2, right? Because you're disqualifying yourself. And then in your stories, you have a cocky attitude. I mean, that story's pretty cocky. You know, my ex-girlfriend, exotic dancer, I'm driving down, she wants to suck my dick, you know? That's pretty fucking cocky. Yeah. But there's a playfulness throughout it as well. Um, uh, A3, what do you got going for you more than your looks? 
That's pretty fucking cocky, right? C1, turn the cocky off. Keep it playful, but turn cocky off. She won you over. You won her over. Done. Turn it off. Humor, okay? Humor, very important. Did you notice any laugh tracks during my sets? Right. She was laughing, but... <laughs> why do I suck? Yeah. Oh, no, it, it isn't you suck. It's, do you know why you suck? Oh, do you know why you suck? <laughs> it is a great opener. By the way, it's only two weeks old, and, and it's open every single set. Do you know why you suck? That was an opener? Yeah. And you'd think they go, I don't care, and walk off. They don't. They go, why? <laughs> every single set. Target, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know why you suck? Because I've been wanting to talk to you for 20 minutes now. But you, Miss Popular, have been surrounded by all these guys. I couldn't talk to you. And that's why you suck. Who are you? And that's special because? Hmm. You know, when I was a teenager, my mom used to point out tall women to me. And I'd go off into my next story. And i just stack. That's an opener. Boom. Great opener. Do you know why you suck? Don't kill it. Okay? Don't, don't do it in every set. Okay? Because I still want to use it. But anyway, there's, there's like this natural laugh track that happens, you know, where it's, they're, they're having fun. It, there's nothing, it shouldn't be painful. They're having fun. She get lots of laughter. And we have something called the three-second rule. We'll take a break shortly. In the three-second rule, the, um, the main concept there, let me turn this off. The main concept in the three-second rule is to um, not allow our anticipatory anxiety to, uh, to increase by waiting on it. You know, There's a girl. She's a hot girl. She's just come in the room. I say, approach. You go, fuck. Ah. You can feel that horrible feeling for 10 minutes or for three seconds. It's your call. Either way, it's a horrible feeling. It's like jumping into, into cold water. It's a horrible feeling, but if you just get it over with now, you're going to enjoy the swim a lot longer. It's the only rule that we have whereby we train for it. It's called the three-second rule. There's the set. <clears throat> go in. There it is. It's good to go. You don't anticipate any interrupts. You know, it's not a moving target. It's a good set for approach. If I wait, it may actually disrupt. The girls are standing there. They're perfectly happy. They're non-moving. But if I wait five extra seconds, well, maybe they're bored and they're going to move. They wouldn't if I would have come up because I could keep them entertained and then lock them in against the bar, right? But by not doing that, by breaking the three-second rule, not only are you m increasing your anticipatory anxiety, but also you can have this set you know, interrupt itself and move off because it was bored. And that happens a lot. So the three-second rule is something we train for. Here's how we train for it. It's a decision on our part to say, look, I signed up to jump out of this airplane many times. And that first time you're going to jump out, you're going to be at the window going, should I jump? See, the decision really should take place when you sign up, not when you're at the door ready to jump. You're here now. You're all going to do approaches tonight. All of you. You signed up. But you didn't just sign up to, oh, shit, I'm going to have to do you know, maybe three to six approaches tonight. Tomorrow you'll be doing a dozen. You're signing up to do a dozen a day, four days a week, for the next three and a half years.
these girls get hit on so often. Imagine what it would be like from the age of 19 to 23. Let's say you meet a 23-year-old. Okay? How many times has she been hit on before you? Let's be ultra-conservative and let's say she only gets hit on five times a day, which is a lie. She goes out to any public gathering, goes out to a mall or something. It will, will be literally, um, in my opinion, based on the girlfriends I've had, it'll be about 15 times a day. But let's be conservative and say five. Now, normally they'd go out five days a week because they're social butterflies. They get good at this over time. But let's be conservative and let's say three. So they're only getting hit on 15 times a week. Truth is, there'll be more, it'll be more like 45 times, but let's pretend 15. Week after week after week, 15 times a week, they get hit on. They start recognizing patterns. Week after week, month after month, that's 60 a month, 60 approaches a month. In 10 months, that's 600. So 720 a year times five years, from 19 all the way to 23 when you meet her is several thousand. More realistically, it's going to be somewhere between, you know, it'll be, it'll be around 7,500. But let's be conservative and say it's only 3,500. Even then, don't you think she's going to recognize <coughs> patterns to social interaction? Don't you think she's going to come up with a way to get rid of the barrage of bore, nice guys coming up to her and saying, hi, what's your name? She doesn't want, she doesn't want to give her fucking name to you. You can't go in trying to build rapport. If you do, it smacks of every lovable loser before you. It's called nice guy, the next guy. And you know, a girl who doesn't get approached too often will, will indulge in it. Or a young girl who hasn't been socialized yet, a 19-year-old. But by the time she's 21, 22, 23, she's been socialized. She's had uh, this wealth of, of uh, experience being hit on, and she's recognized the patterns. So if you come up and you sound anything similar to a typical guy, she's going to shoot you down. You know, you could be the coolest guy ever, but the, uh, the, the eight guys before you weren't so cool. But what if you said the exact same opener that they did? Hi, how are you? They'll say, busy. She'll get used to it, you know? And then you'll say, why are you being such a bitch to me? I'm being nice. And the answer is, because it works. Another thing that Style has mentioned before, this is really his idea, is that you really have to come in at a higher energy level than the set. Now, it could be a really low energy environment, and you come in still pretty low energy. It's like a, a coffee shop. Yeah. You don't want to come in like a dancing monkey in a coffee shop. But, uh, like, for example, last night we were in a club. It's a really stimulating environment. The girls are really stimulated. So if you come in and you're not a higher energy level than that environment, then guess what? You're the one who's coming in there to bring them down. You're the one who's sort of dulling their set and making it more boring than it was before. So you have to be a little bit more stimulating than the environment around them. So yeah, just a little bit. So always come in at a slightly higher energy level than the set already is. Well-groomed generally means specifically well-groomed. Like, what's more attractive to you? A girl who, you know, bathes. <laughs> or a girl who not only bathes, but dolls up her hair. So much so, and she's got glitter on her and stuff. It looks like she's, just, she's about to go to a wedding. We just, <clears throat> something about her just <clears throat> makes us go after her because she's just, just well-groomed. Not just groomed, well-groomed. So I'd love to see all of you guys be specifically well-groomed, 
and and if you can wear one particular interesting item. Did you see people grab this? Remember I told you if this gets touched, it means uh, yeah. she's attracted to me. Yeah. And next thing you know, and to me it's like, that's right. Yeah. And to me I'm like, mm-hmm. If this gets touched, they want me. You know, it is. It's so on at that point. So this is really, you know, this allow. This is a keynote test for me. This is is an IOI test. I wait for them to to ask about it. They'll say this. If a girl says, uh, "Did that hurt?" Really, what she's saying is, "I would like to communicate with you." It's the stupidest thing to say. Did that hurt? It's a fucking lip piercing. Yes, it fucking hurt. Here, let me get a pin. Here, Ugh, did that hurt? Stupid question in the world, right? Stupidest in the world. But uh, but if she says it, I mean, she likes me. So I need to do something. Wear something on. And the sixth one, a sense of connection. You don't want to try to arouse her in the attraction location. You can you can build um, uh, buyer's remorse right after. At first, they're attracted, they get aroused, and then the next day, they know that you just want them for sex. So that's why I hold back on something like that until the seduction stage. But at that point, because if you have natural keno escalation, you've already kissed her, you've already held her hand. So why not just say, here, bite me here? Oh, God, babe, that's so fucking good. Once you're in isolation with her in your own room, you know, you've got privacy, why would you give her a, you know, a languaging thing? Why would you language her to death when you can demonstrate her to death? You know, what's going to arouse her more? Talking to her about a time in the past that she felt horny or making her horny for the very first time with you right there. All you have to do is do physiological stuff. Bite her neck right here. It tenses you up. Grab the back of her hair. Pull it. Mm, feels really good. It gives you uh, uh, goosebumps, right? These are built in to all humans. It's physiological. It comes from, you know, back when we were... Um, uh, Kittens, you know, grab the scruff of the neck, and it, they all, you know, get all paralyzed. Well, we have that built into us. Dogs, when they're fucking each other, you know, the, the uh, male dog will bite the mane of the female, and, the, and, and she'll paralyze. It's built in. Let's use that to our advantage, you know? Or just say, stick your tongue out, mm. and start playing with their tongue with your tongue, nice and soft. But by saying, stick your tongue out, she goes, why? Stick your fucking tongue out, woman. Good girl. Suck on her tongue. That's far more you know, appealing to her and, and authoritative on your part. Um, but other things for connection, I used yesterday, um, uh, I said to the black girl, um, you know, I wasn't given an instruction book on how to be human. I'm just taking things one day at a time, and I don't know why, but I feel, I feel very drawn to you. It's good enough. And I held her at one point, and I said, this is good, and she said, hugging, and I said, no, this is good. She goes, yeah. Now, we call it the game because it's, that's just merely a metaphor. It's a metaphor that empowers us to not feel the, the brunt of rejection that takes place. Uh, girls can be pretty damn hardcore, you know, especially when they're grouped together and protecting each other. And we come in, we can even come in trying to be nice. Hi, what's your name? Uh, we're busy. Hey, like your shoes, where'd you get them? My boyfriend bought them for me. Do you mind? We're talking. This is normal. This is how women will treat you. So we call it a game so that we can just play it like a game for the first 10 minutes. But as soon as she starts liking you and giving you indicators of interest, and then you can find out about her and 
you know, hopefully encourage her to demonstrate some form of higher value so you can then indicate your interest to her. Once that mutual transaction has taken place of, of information, you will legitimately like each other. And there's nothing more rewarding than having a woman like you. You're going you're gonna to like them more just because they've got great taste in men and they choose you. It's no longer a game from that point on. So the game metaphor no longer holds. From that point on, it's not about um, manipulation or gaming the girl. It's about actual natural processes that take place in, in the development of all loving relationships. And just because you know the step-by-step -step process does not mean that it holds no, um, no value anymore. I need, if you convey these six characteristics, if you can embed these six characteristics anywhere in, uh, well, basically, if you can convey these six characteristics within the material that you use in A2, A3, C1, she will find you really attractive. See, some of them will build enough attraction for her to want to get to know you. And, once, and, and then some of them you can throw off into, into C1, because now that you like each other. Social proof, confidence, smile, humor, well-groomed, pretty much all that is, um, uh, is uh, you know, A2, right? But connection, that is really a C1. And you want to make her feel like, wow, this was special. You know, oh my God, I wasn't even going to come out tonight. It's the weirdest thing, but you know, when I first met you, your first impression kind of sucked, so I wasn't really, I was nervous talking to you. But now that I get to know you and find out, you know, you're, you're fucking incredible. I'm actually nervous. And she goes, why are you nervous? I said, well, because you just came, you just became important to me. You know, I don't know how you did it. And I love telling her stuff like that. Like, I don't know why. I don't know why I feel this way. Don't get logic her to death. Tell her a lot of mysterious, I'm drawn to you. Why? I don't know. I wasn't given an instruction book on how to be human. You know, this isn't rocket science. I don't know. Which is crazy because I used to always language them to death. You know, give them, give them lots of reasons. You know, none of that is needed with a woman. This is, uh, this is a game that you can learn. You have to know that. And for a lot of people, they go, yeah, but what about looks and all this? Listen, a game is, is like a game of chess. Okay? This game is like a game of chess. It's very strategic. And while our emotions do get involved and you get approach anxiety, I'm going to teach you why approach anxiety um, will not go away. A lot of people are looking for confidence, right? That's sort of what they're out to, to gain. If I only had more confidence, then I could approach women. No, it doesn't happen. You know, the best POAs in the world do not have confidence. They have competence, and that's a hell of a lot better to have than just confidence. Given the choice, if you're on a motorcycle, you're riding a motorbike, what would you rather have? Competence and a healthy fear of the bike? Or would you rather have confidence? So we focus on competence here. And some of the best POAs, they're, they're scared shitless to approach. I'm one of them. I love this game and I hate it at the same time. It's scary to, to approach a group of people you've never met before. It's scary to go to a public gathering, um, even just a foreign territory. Even if there were no people there, it would be scary to go to a new territory. So you add that on top of the fact that you're going to now meet a bunch of strangers. 
add to the fact that you're going to be meeting a bunch of strangers. Some of them are going to be men. Some of them are going to be bigger than you. And you do have an ulterior motive of you know, chatting up the lovely ladies he's with. This can put you in a compromising position. But within the mystery method, there is a solution. Well, there's no such thing as extra effort. Like what a lot of people do is, you know, they'll, um, they'll get their game up to speed on sevens and eights, and then when a ten comes along, they're like, okay, I really got to pull out the guns on this girl, right? And so they'll be like, okay, there's this new piece that I recently learned. That would be fucking perfect for this girl. No. You, <laughs> if you're trying something new, do it on a set that doesn't matter, okay? When a, when, when a ten comes along, just stick to your material, man. Stick to the material that you got up to speed. You know, about um, 80 to 90 percent of my typical, of a typical set will be tried and true material, and I'll have like 10 percent, you know, 10 to 20 percent sometimes will be new material I'm, I'm throwing in, or I'm just winging it to see if something new will come out of it. On a 10, 100 percent is stock, is, is, is in the can rather, okay? Um, and I'm not going to try and test new material on a girl who, I, who is worth it for me. Not, it, you'll only need like 50 gambits in order to run a set all the way to full Monty, okay? But you'll need a good 300 gambits to handle the dynamic social interactions of all potential sets so that you can win everything because you won't know what you're getting, you know? The, at one point, I think you were with me on this one, at one point um, there was some stuff going on and I didn't know how many sets were in there, who I'm going to approach, and I just went, all right, I'm just going to go in because we have to be more reactionary. I don't have it all assessed. I'm going to go in, and as I'm getting information, I'll start calibrating to it, you know? And that's how I opened up that two set with the blondes and got them fighting for me. It was really nice. It was really fun. A 10 or a green, you will open with an egg. Like, I've opened girls like this. <laughs> Do you know why you and I will never get along? We're too similar. You won't take my shit. I won't take your shit. What fun's that? I mean, if I, were, if I were in a room with myself for too long, I'd pull my hair out of my head. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you is if hanging out with you, I'd be bald. That is a great way of initiating the chat with a 10. You're opening with negging. Uh, another one that's a, new, a relatively new one, which is working really well, is um, do you know why you suck? Great fucking opener. Do you know why you suck? Because you've been surrounded by all your friends for the last 20 minutes, and I've been over here wanting to meet you. I don't know why yet. I mean, you're very pretty, but beauty's common. You know, I wanted to find out if there was more to you than meets the eye. Yet, you're mispopular, surrounded by all your friends, and I can't fucking meet you, and that's why you suck. So who the hell are you? Well, I'm Jesse, and that's special because. <laughs> it was a great opener on a 10. Notice how on an 8, you can blow yourself out. You know, because, you know, <laughs> tens ne never get treated this way. Only by daddy and by their boyfriends. So you come in like this and you have instantly conveyed that you must be getting laid. Because so, no man comes in and disqualifies like this. You know, do you know why you suck? What a great way to open a set. You just did that to, let's say, a three or four set right to the, to the target? Yep. Because it's entertaining to the rest of them and disarms them. We'll get into A2 in a sec, um, how, to, how to create uh, attraction. Point, though, is um, the greens, you neg three times, let's say, okay? The yellows, you neg once, 
and the reds you never nick. Most guys have a problem that they're not expressive enough with their facial expressions and with their vocal tonality. And so I end up having to tell students, I end up having to give the same speech 10 times on every boot camp, look, you need to be more expressive with your face and more expressive with your vocal tonality. You want to use pausing and have a certain like, rhythm to the way that you speak. 